You're listening to audio from Cibolo Creek Community Church. To learn more, visit CibeloCreek.com. All right, well, these past few weeks, if you've been here with us, we have been talking about how heaven and earth collide when Jesus comes onto the scene. And we've been talking about its implications, about God's timing and God's purpose and God's peace or his shalom, as we learned last week. Well, Jesus, he has this unique habit When heaven and earth collide, Jesus, he ends up turning the whole world upside down. And he does it, he does the unexpected. He defies the typical conventions and he replaces them with something beautiful, something long lasting. And God is this great artist. And it's interesting, as I've been thinking about artistry, artistry sometimes utilizes the unexpected to bring out great beauty. In fact, it needs it. When programmers were utilizing artificial intelligence to be able to write code, to be able to paint new paintings, the first ones were horrible. There was no ambiguity. There was no creativity. See, there's something that's within us that God has created us in such a way where we kind of long for the unexpected. We long for like, ah, oh, you know that moment where you're just like, ah, oh, and there's the beautiful part. Well, that is what our God does in the, in the, with the story of Jesus. At his birth, man, he does some great artistry. See, with Jesus, at the very beginning, we, this is the king of kings and lord of lords. So we expect great fanfare. We expect kings and queens and we expect parades and donkeys and all of the rest to be able to come for Jesus with bands playing and all all of the fanfare. We expect everyone to be prepared to meet the king. Dress nicely on the best of behavior, right? This is Jesus. But God, he does the unexpected. He uses obscurity. He turns the power dynamics upside down and he uses this lowly community. (laughs) I mean, he chose to be able to reveal himself to stinky shepherds who were working the night shift. He chose to be able to be born in a stinky filled stable. He uses a lowly community and he also has a lowly family. See, he's got a poor family, and he's, they're socially outcast because if you remember, Mary was pregnant out of wedlock, and he comes even as a little baby. <laughs> two for two, man. Keep it up. <laughs> I mean, he could have come as this full-grown man and made that sound, but it just would not have been the same, right? <laughs> But instead, he comes as a baby, and he lives out a fully human life. I mean, I can hear the shepherds. I can hear the shepherds when they say, when they say the excitement, when they say, when they hear from the angels that Jesus has come, and then they turn to one another, and they say, dude, we got to go check this out. Let's go hear about it. Let's go to Bethlehem and see the things that have, that have, have happened which the Lord has made known to us. Stinky shepherds working the night shift. God remembered us. 
this is good news. Hey, yeah, all right. Stay awake, young children. All right. See, God, he doesn't discriminate. God doesn't play power games. He welcomes both the poor and the rich. And regardless of your social status or your vocation, he cares for all. Regardless of whatever you might have done. See, he cares for you. He identifies with you. He comes for you. We only need to turn to him and to be able to trust him. The beauty, the beauty is that God, he uses these unsuspecting people. And then he turns around and he uses a really unsuspecting place. See, we expect the best for King Jesus. We expect the Ritz-Carlton. We expect fine clothes. We expect silks and linens and cashmere. And we expect Jesus to have center stage. And when we end up seeing how John the Baptist, his cousin, was presented, was announced, well, we figure it's got to be better than that, right? Well, if we remember what happened with John the Baptist, John the Baptist, he was, was his dad, head of all the priests in the year that he was born. His mom, righteous woman. His birth, his birth was announced in the capital. His birth was announced at the temple. His birth was announced at the center of all Judaism. Judaism, excuse me. I mean, if, G- if Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was announced in that great and grand way, how much more would we have expected Jesus? But God does something unexpected. He uses the outskirts. See, Jesus arrives in this rural obscurity. His pregnant mom must travel for three days and 75 plus miles all the way to Bethlehem. And there, when they finally get there, they can't find anything, any room. They can't find a bed and they're relegated to the barn, way in the back. And Jesus, not born in a palace, but in a manger. In Luke 2, we learn that the second pair is, uh, and then they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. The shepherds are seeing the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known that the, the saying that the, had been told to them concerning this child. He was lying in a manger. <laughs> I loved it. One person, he described that a stable is the Messiah's first throne room. God is this great artist, and he turns our expectations upside down. And as he does so, he's quietly at work. See, it's God who's showing that he takes the lowly and the humble and he begins to elevate them. The paradox here is that you have the one who has the authority of all salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, the creator of heaven and earth. And here he is and he spends the first night, not in this palace, but in an open air manger among simple people like shepherds. This is good news. There it is. See, the good news is this, is that Jesus, Jesus is within everyone's reach. 
See, Jesus knows what it's like to be at a low point in life. And when you're born in a manger, you're really comfortable embracing messes. You don't need to clean up first. You don't need to fix yourself up. See, Jesus, he, he says, I love you where you're at. He says, I'll celebrate with you in the highs and I'll weep with you in the lows. I'll help you and I'll guide you. I won't leave your side. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you, says Jesus. Even when you don't choose to follow him, he stands there with arms wide open for you. When revealing Jesus to the world, God is this beautiful artist who uses unsuspecting people, who uses lackluster places, and then he uses very simple means. See, we expect wealth. We expect, we expect Jesus to be born into these riches. We wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jesus have an, a, a hashtag of like super rich savior kid. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised to be able to find that. But God, he instead, he utilizes poverty. He shows us that life was meant for more than just acquiring things. There was no pretense with Jesus. Jesus, he chose to identify in the humblest of ways with humble people to show his huge God. While the world values big houses and nice cars and really fancy fun vacations, Jesus, he gives us new priorities. He shows us that being financially poor doesn't limit your accessibility to divine riches. God is the God who provides. He is Jehovah Jireh. He provides financially when we need it. But more than that, more than that, the beautiful part is God gives us mercy when you don't deserve it. In fact, when you deserve disgrace. God gives you love when you deserve anything but. And God gives generously, especially when we fall. And all of that is good news. <laughs> and it's good news because it leads to this lasting and beautiful impact on our lives. See, we expect the king to come for the privileged and the powerful. We expect him to come and be inaccessible and uninterested in our lives. We expect him to come and want to deal with me? No. Anything but. But here's the thing. You're worth it. See, Jesus, from the very beginning of the creation of the world. He came and he thought of you. He had you in mind. He knew that one day you'd screw up, that you wouldn't follow what he desired. But he also knew that you were worth giving up everything. He knew that he wanted to pursue you and show you how much you are loved that he was willing to leave behind heaven to pursue you so that you could be a part. 
And Jesus isn't the type of God who wants to coerce you, bind you into something. He's not this moralistic God who's just trying to say, live in the box, but instead, he's one of relationship. See, the beauty of our God is that he could say, do this and, and make you. But instead, he does the beautiful and unexpected thing by giving you freedom. And it is that God that also gives you an invitation. He invites you into relationship with him. He invites you to lay down all of the brokenness of your life, to be able to pick up the fullness of him. And he showed us, he showed you how valuable you are, how important you are to him. When he came, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. He showed you how valuable he was when he left that throne room. And he came as a baby. If you haven't started the relationship with Jesus yet, tonight's the night. If you've been far, welcome home. If you've thought that it's just been this moralistic do's and don'ts, check the boxes, welcome to a new relationship with Jesus. Because he loves you. And he invites you into a relationship with him. No matter where you've been, no matter where you've gone, he invites you home. And that, my friends, is good news.